HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. The following episode of Let's Eat In has been brought to you by Cabot Cheese. Cabot Cheese of Vermont Dairy Farm Family, owned since 1919 and proud to be voted your four-time champion cheddar. Five generations of farming and making naturally aged cheddar cheese in Vermont. On the web at cabotcheese.com. All right, you're listening to Let's Eat In on Heritage Radio Network. We are at Roberta's Pizza on this lovely, unseasonably warm Monday in Brooklyn. I'm your host, Kathy Irwin, as usual, and I've also got a couple of guests here in the station right now. Um, uh, let's talk about beer a little bit. We've got Todd Alstrom, who founded Beer Advocate how many years ago? Wow, back in 1996. All right, 96, with your brother, Jason. That's right. And wife, Candace. Yep. Let me move this mic a little closer to your mouth. Okay. And, okay, so Shane Welsh is here again. Uh, Thanks for coming. You're welcome. (laughs) Okay, so uh, he's the founder of uh, Six Point Craft Ales here in, oh, sorry, Six Point Brewery here in, uh, right here in Brooklyn. And he's been on the show a couple times already. Um, we, I, I want to talk a little bit about how, um, you know, back in '96, these are like the the you know real pioneering days of creating. You know, the word blog was was few and far between, uh, or the the concept of it was really just getting started out. And yeah. it's not a blog. No, it's not. But I mean, I'm just trying to paint the landscape right now. Yeah. Um, and you had a user generated forum, basically how it started out. Thanks. <laughs> so, um, was that the original intention? Just to, like, what was the original intention? Because I know it still is very much, uh, you know, a way to share ideas, information, ratings. Yeah, reviews. I'll try to give you the sort of condensed version. Okay. Um, basically, in '96, my brother and I had been homebrewing for a while, hmm. and I had just returned uh, not too long ago from uh, the military. I was over in England. Jason would come out and visit us, and we kind of explored a lot of the real ales they had over there to offer. Um, And when I came back, I started getting in the tech world and uh, worked for a company out in Western Massachusetts building websites. Finally got a job in Boston and um, moved next to my brother. We started homebrewing every week. 
And we're like, you know, we should start taking notes on our homebrews. And we started writing down what we tasted, you know, what we could do better and whatnot. And then we're like, you know, we're trying all these great beers right now. Back in 96, there was a ton of craft beers exploding all around the, the U.S. And we're like, we should start taking notes in that too. And, you know, I could build a website and we could just start tracking what we're tasting. And then eventually people started coming to the website and reading our reviews and um, going, you know, we, we'd like to talk about beer too. So we introduced a, a forum and uh, then they were like, we'd like to review them as well. So we added that. And organically over the years, it just started growing and getting more and more users and features and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So. so it really has evolved kind of organically. Oh, and big time. What is the most surprising uh, result of, of where? So back in 96, what mm-hmm. would you be so surprised that happened due to this? Well, essentially it went from a hobby and we're surprised oh. that my brother and I are now full time. You know, right it's, our, it's our actual job now. Yeah, <laughs> it's a pretty Making good job. Beer, you're like, okay, that pays itself off. Yeah. I know I don't have to buy it. We could talk about <laughs> beer. That's our job. And spread. You know, we we spread the good word about good beer. We try to promote the industry as a whole. Mm-hmm. So, because Beer Advocate is now a magazine in print. Yeah, that's right. Um, we went. Sort of the reverse, traditionally print <laughs> went web. We went web to print. print. And what was interesting about that, you know, we're going to be coming up. We're, we're the only monthly beer magazine, too, that, that we know of in the U.S. Um, we're approaching number 50 soon in a few months here. It's fascinating. Well, At a time when print is, uh, you know, magazines are falling, dropping like leaves, mm-hmm. uh, Beer Advocate, because of that unique niche that nobody else has really... Uh, done. Um, do you see it's continuing on? Because it seems like it's going really strong. I do. I, yeah. I see it evolving too. Um, we're getting more and more users who would love to see it on their iPhone or iPad and whatnot. And we'll eventually get there. We're in no rush though, but we'll we'll get there eventually. Awesome. Yeah. And festivals that has started. Uh, how how early into the life of Beer Advocate? I believe we threw our first fest in two thousand and three. It was called the Art of Beer Fest. I like that name. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you, you have annual Extreme Beer Fest? Yeah, we have. We have. We do an Extreme Beer Fest in the winter, and that seems like it's the biggest card, right? Or, that was the yeah. first fest for us that sold out like months in advance. Wow. It was our third fest ever, and we're like, yeah, it's a keeper. We're gonna... What is Extreme Beer? Extreme Beer, yeah, that's a <laughs> interesting. You'll get different answers from everyone, and unfortunately, a lot of the uh, sort of mainstream media has kind of pigeonholed extreme beer as being high alcohol, you know, overhopped beer. But for us, extreme beer is basically something that's been around forever. It's just, uh, it's the brewer's creativity. Extreme beer is uh, about brewing beer that pushes the boundaries of, of you know, brewing in general, and also the, the minds and the palates of uh, consumers. All right. So creative you, beer. Yeah, creative beer. Exotic ingredients, different, you know, bringing back old methods of brewing from, you know, okay. It, ages and ages ago. Is there anything about the festival itself that's extreme? Is it an extreme beer festival? Like, yeah, I mean, well, a- that's extremely crowded. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. No, we get a. Well. It's just nice that we get a, a platform to pull all this creativity together. Whereas right um, a lot of times, you know, a consumer might have a hard time finding them in the market. You know, although it's getting much easier. Mm-hmm. But we bring them all together. So we'll have awesome. like a hundred and over 125 beers usually on the, the Saturday. 
And then the Friday is a special sort of VIP night of the barrels where we feature beers aged in wood. Right on. What is the most extreme beer you've tasted? Or maybe made? Hmm. I don't do a lot of brewing anymore, so I can't recall that. Okay. But uh, as far as the most extreme that I've had? Shane, hmm. feel free to chime in. Yeah. I mean, I'm going through my library in my head right now. Hold on. There, there have been some outrageous hot pepper beers that have been made that, that you could just call them extreme because yeah. the, it is so difficult to just consume more than one or two ounces of the beer. It's like drinking liquid fire. Well, it was Ithaca, Ithaca Beer Company. Well, yeah, Ith- they brought it. Tastes like burning. <laughs> and they would, they they made a beer called Taste Like Burning, it where it was burning beer down the house. No. no, what they did is they aged a beer in a Tabasco barrel. Oh. Yeah. But it was just... That's clever. Yeah. Yeah, the thing is, though, that one ounce was punishment. Uh-huh. And it's great to introduce yourself to that flavor, because actually the malt kind of helped Well, there's this whole, like, that, but, kind of... But it's not... It wasn't quaffable. Right. Well, isn't there also this, like, um, macho, like, niche of... of extreme hot sauce eaters like yeah, they, sure. they go around and they they just try to eat as much hot sauce as they can and it's like a competition it's like a sport well they yeah, have this in the brewing industry too but for hops mm-hmm. <laughs> so instead of trying to punish yourself with spice they punish themselves it's, with bitterness yeah. but what the studies have shown is that there's a threshold just like you can measure and quantify the spice of a pepper mm-hmm. you can quantify the bitterness of a hop through this measurement unit called a bittering unit. IBUs. Or an, in, or an international bittering unit, but now oh. it's mostly known as a, just a BU. And what it, once it goes over a certain number, you're, the human palate can't distinguish any additional bittering flavor. Like it just shuts down. And that's what, around 70 or so? Yeah. Give or take? Yeah. So there's breweries now that are brewing like 120 or 150 IBU beers. But you can't really say that the 150 IBU beer is hoppier than the 120. No. I mean, like the German hop growers we met once on a on a field trip to Germany said, anything over that 70 is just a waste of hops. Oh. Yeah. yeah. What's the IBU on a Bengali Tiger IPA? About 65. Okay. It's getting close. Pushing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, but people like hops. That's a trend they that sure I see. Do. Yeah. yeah, hop heads. Hop heads. Yep. That's a That's name. That's the term. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a definitely. Uh, I mean, it's always been used in beer, right? No, I mean not always, but no, not always. It's Actually, been around, in the history basically. of beer, hops, hop usage is probably somewhat, you know, relatively yeah, speaking, relatively modern times. Modern, yeah. Okay. I mean, it's been around for hundreds of years, but. But there was a, the there history. was a period, you know, right. like in America, there was a dearth of flavorful beers until this craft beer revolution, right? And and that was it was really a hop flavor that that made a big difference, I think, right? Well, it depends on how far back you go. Yeah. I mean, it's gone and. <laughs> through so many different waves. I'm just talking about those days when we were like, you know, drinking PBRs at, you know, parties and now we're all drinking. That was last night. Yeah. <laughs> 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 the average idiot, you know, right. now drinks like, you know, IPA because it's, I don't know, hoppy. Right. Uh, no, I don't think that's why they're drinking it. I think it's because it has more flavor. 
I think exactly. it's because when you finally get introduced to that flavor and it's it's integrated into the beer in the right way, it can be really nice. And it goes beyond just beer. I mean, um, um, Americans' palates, they're, they're going towards bigger, bolder. They want flavor. Right. Whether it's food, coffee. That's funny because beer. Americans have no, generally on a palate basis, they have no problem with sweet foods, no problem with salty foods. I wouldn't call it no problem. They love sweet. Um, and salty. Okay. And salty. But bitter it bitter as part of a flavor component has been shunned for a long time. And bitterness can be awesome. Mm-hmm. And you know, the hop is really one of the most bitter compounds on earth. You know, just a small if you were to chew on just a single hop cone or the resin from the hop cone that you used to put in the beer, it is the the bitterness is so intense it lingers in your mouth for so long and it's it's incredible. Now there are so many other things that are bitter. How come we don't put uh, broccoli rob in <laughs> beer or you know arugula or something? Why is it always hops if if we're going for that bitter flavor? Part of what I was just saying is the concentration of the bitterness in hops is so intense that when you like, for instance, when at six point it's a five hundred gallon batch of beer, which is big for a home brewer but small for a commercial brewer um that's 500 gallons of malt syrup like you'd have to just think about how much bitterness you need to offset all that sweetness and sugar so the most efficient mechanism for that is the hop cone because a single hop cone is intensely bitter cool you know you could use broccoli rob too but then you start thinking about what other compounds are going to contribute to that beer besides just the bitterness yeah what, what kind of chemical? Well, yeah, no. After I mean, the chemical reactions I, that take place, what other yeah profiles are you going to get from it? It would be terrible. Right. But I, I just find terrible. it interesting that there, there's got to be other things like hops. Like I don't know, tea leaves are pretty bitter. Uh, no, there's not as efficient. No, maybe. because what I mean, if you want to turn it into more science discussion, there's a resin in the hops that you you isomerize during the boiling process. So when you add heat energy to it, it changes its chemical structure, and then it becomes water-soluble. When that happens, it causes the proteins that are dissolved in the barley solution called wort to precipitate. And when they precipitate, it makes it changes the entire composition of beer. Right. And it also, they're antimicrobial, they're, so they're natural preservative. Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. And also, sense. here's the other thing that they have that, you know, broccoli rob and rosemary <laughs> and other things don't is that there's an entire spectrum of uh, basically nuances through the aroma, through their essential oils. So to give you an idea of how localized it is, the Yakima Valley in in the United States is known for producing hops that have a very citrusy, piney, and resiny aroma. The Hallertauer region and Tettnager region in Germany produces spicy and peppery and floral. And the there's areas in Bohemia and, and in Central Czech Republic that produce hops that so are grassy. So there's a huge variety of hops oh, yeah. themselves, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for this Hops for Dummies little intro. Um, I want to get back to that and more about uh, Todd's, you know, the future of Beer Advocate and, and all the fun stuff that you guys, I know you're, you have cooking up. So um, we picked a little song for you. Be right, right back. Just you wait and see. 
The New England and New York farm families who own Cabot Cooperative are offering listeners a chance to win some of the world's best cheddar simply by calling in 718-497-2128 or emailing us at info at heritageradionetwork.com. What a great way to start the holidays. We'll be picking a winner for the program two weeks from now. Cabot Creamery is a proud supporter of what Heritage Radio is all about. The shepherd will tend his sheep Another valley gonna bloom again Hello. I hope nobody heard that. Uh, okay. Lots of little murmurs. Um, I'm your host, Kathy Arway, and this is Let's Eat In on Heritage Radio Network. And w- today we're talking to Todd Alstrom and Shane Welsh. Um, Todd's the founder of Beer Advocate. Shane makes beer at Six Point Craft Ales. Um, I also wanted to change the subject a little bit and talk more about, um, you know, this is a show about food normally, um, although beer is food, I guess. Sure you could is. live off of it. No? You might get a little scurvy, right? <laughs> well, we could try it sometime. But I, I, beer is food. Yeah. That's for sure. And um, are you much of... I know that uh, I've heard about your beef stroganoff nights, but do you enjoy cooking as much as you... I don't brewing? enjoy it as much yeah. as I should. We don't okay. do it enough, unfortunately. <laughs> but it's something we always say we're going to do more of, and hopefully we'll, we well, will. Maybe, yeah, maybe when things aren't so crazy right now because i know that you're you're you have a lot of projects coming up yeah um, there always seems to be another festival coming up or another issue of the magazine i'm not complaining i'm just saying there's a lot sure, going on sure are you the editor too of the magazine or yeah well know? my brother and i act as like we're not like trained editors but we mm-hmm. we we kind of you know pick and choose the content work with our freelancers um kind of give everything a once over but we do have a whole group of yeah. people uh, that we outsource for the uh, copy editing because my brother and I are still the uh, the only official employees. Wow! My wife Candace works for us too. But she handles the festivals, pretty much mm-hmm. runs them day off. But for the most part, we're a two person company still. Wow, that's yeah. incredible! Um, and your uh, festivals have always been in Boston, right? Correct. Any plans to bring them outside? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> okay, good. That's something I look yeah. forward to. Maybe Brooklyn. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We'll oh. see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what the future has. Because I think that, you know, Boston's a great city and all, but uh, hey, spread the love mm-hmm. <laughs> if you can. So We'll do our best. All right. Yeah. So I usually ask folks on this show, what is your favorite meal for a date? Like what, what would be your ultimate date meal? Um, but I wanted to ask you, what is the best uh, date beer? Like so you, you go to like, you know, a cool beer bar and you want to impress mm-hmm. your date. I know you're married, but just let's, you know. <laughs> yeah, you want to impress with a beer. Yeah. Well, what you could do, it, it's pretty hard to get, but there is a beer called the Deus from, from Belgium, and it's brewed exactly like champagne in many ways. It, oh, it wow. goes through all the, the proper diversion and all that, and it... Uh, the brewery actually has a nice presentation. They have crystal glassware all etched. Uh, I might choose something like that. Probably goes for about forty to fifty at a bar. And so it's a bottle, it's bubbly. Whoa, nice. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's great. Yeah, it's very effervescent, very 
like tight carbonation like so champagne. it's really the champagne of beers not it, like it is. miller highland yeah well it's, it's a beer to champagne <laughs> and um it's got these wonderful notes of like uh, lavender and lilac oh mm-hmm. that sounds awesome how come i haven't tried that Shane? yeah get on that mr well Day you guy. got the popping off <laughs> uh let's talk about yeah that one later <laughs> um okay so and food what what would be the ultimate food and ultimate you could food. something you like to make or would like to have in front of you. Well, based off of what we had this weekend, I, I I think sushi is great. Yeah, it's fun. the The place we went to, uh, what was it called again this weekend? Where did we go? Sushi Asuda. That yeah, place we, was we, amazing. We got the our treatment there. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. I think in general, raw, nice raw whole foods. Well, it's so sensual. Yeah. yeah. I mean, sushi. Especially it's, the fillets of fish, raw. It's it, simple, but very good so for you. T- so tender. <laughs> but it's also fun. So succulent. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's a lot of people that say that there's something <laughs> extremely sexual about sushi. And I. It's totally. I, yeah? Yeah. The sea urchin, too. Oh, ah, the I sea urchin like is nature's Viagra. <laughs> oh, we had some oyster sushi, too. A little yeah. aphrodisiac there for you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you kind of can't go wrong with sushi, uh, but unless your date doesn't like sushi. But well, I, I feel like... Problem, yeah. yeah, I feel like we've we've passed that, that place. I mean, I, I know at, at, in a, you know, a short few decades ago, sushi was, like, scary, you know? <laughs> Raw fish, ah! And there's a lot of uh, you know qualms about that, but I don't know anyone who doesn't eat sushi. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I don't know anyone either. Yeah. All right, so that's a good one. And what's something that you would like to make, though? Like, if you're cooking, something I like to make. Damn. No. Damn me for not cooking enough. Okay, um, sorry. I make a good beef stroganoff, though. Yeah. Do you put yeah. any beer in it ever? Sometimes. Yeah, that sounds like a good one to. To My drop wife in there. Candace doesn't like me putting beer in the food. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. So I just don't tell her. <laughs> <laughs> Cooking with beer is something I don't know. It seems like natural. Um, have you ever had thoughts about? Um, do you ever uh, at beer festivals? There's usually food involved, right? And I've been to the Belgian yeah. beer fest last mm-hmm. weekend, um, and there's like pe- pretzels and. I know that this, I, I forget who was catering it, but they had one dish that was mussels mm-hmm. uh, cooked in a nice, like, Belgian beer. Yeah. That was Mark, really cool. Mark Kadish from the Sunset Grill, he, he does um, the food for most of our festivals, and he does uh, add some beer to, to, the, the, to the dishes, and actually at his restaurant, too. But, yeah. Cook, yeah, cooking with beer is really big right now. Just the flavors, you know, beer and food is just a natural pairing, regardless of the food. Um, I hear a lot of people replacing wine, things with wine. So mussels are usually cooked with, with wine or white wine. Mm-hmm. And then in this case, swap in some Belgian beer and it's a unique little taste. Or nice, you know, one of my favorite mussel dishes is cooked with a, uh, it's a schlankela. It's a German rock beer, a smoke beer. The malts are actually smoked over oh, wood fire. Oh, that's a good thought. Um, and you put a little, you know, little bacon in there with some corn. Or not even. You could use a smoked beer, and you'd have that smoky flavor in your chili or whatever. Yep, you could do that, too. Yeah. Skip the bacon. Well, right. We actually feature, um, his name is the home, he's called the homebrew chef, chef uh, Sean Z. Paxton in California. Mm-hmm. He actually writes a monthly column for us in the magazine called Cuisine of Cuisine Beer. Cuisine of yeah. Beer? Oh. Yeah, yeah. so well, he's got, he features a, probably okay. about six recipes every month. Nice. All right. So cooking with beer. I mean, uh, yeah, maybe you should have a festival based around that. I'd go to that. 
Not that I wouldn't go to the other one, so. That's a good idea. <laughs> okay, what is the, um, uh, what is the, your favorite beer festival experience? Outside of our own? Because uh, I do. It although, could be your own, yeah. No, like I, I like our festivals. We don't get to um, enjoy them as much as the attendees. Oh, I see. Because you're uh, running around with yeah, your, but the like point, your chicken with your Yeah, but that's the point. We're throwing these for the people who are showing up. Mm-hmm. It's really it's about them and the brewers, um, but I do I do I get a lot of enjoyment out of that watching everyone right. enjoying what we've put together. And speaking of that, because I'm curious, because that was my first beer festival going to your Belgian beer fest, and I'm curious about the points of the night where people just all start uh, shouting like, oh! and then they, <laughs> yeah. what is it? <laughs> I don't know. You get pockets of people every once in a while that'll, you know, rise up. And they hope other people will follow. What do they do? They like flail their hands in the air. And then the whole room suddenly just stops for a minute to scream. And then... You'll see that at the Great American Beer Festival. Great American Beer Festival. There's 40 plastic cups. They'll drop them on the ground. So it's like doing the wave, but not... Yeah, they'll drop their plastic cup on the ground. Everyone will go, whoa. And then you'll hear it. Oh, so it's like a opa, because you dropped your cup. No? Sort of. It's mildly annoying, but you know, at the end of the day, they're having fun. If they're exactly, not, exactly, that's no what I could tell. If no one's on fire, you know, and everyone's enjoying good beer, I mean, you can't really complain too much. Of course, there are a lot of different beer festivals now, though, around the United States and the world. Some of the most obvious examples, the annual ones, are like Oktoberfest and stuff like that. But it, of course, I'm referring to Munich, not <laughs> the one in Fort Wayne. But each one has their own nuance and their own character, but there are a few that have become pretty legendary just in this country alone, I think. They're in their 25th or 30th year yeah, now. Yeah, like the Great Taste in the Midwest. The great Midwest. Taste. Yeah, I need to get my ass to The Portland Brew- Brewers Fest. The GABF. Mm-hmm. What about Brooklyn or New York? Uh, they have a few. Uh, they have a few that are been around for five to ten years. Mm-hmm. I heard uh, the most recent one, uh, Get Real New York. Was yeah, that was the first annual a couple months ago. I heard that went very well. It did. Get it was real? A real? Get Real. It's a celebration of real ale. Okay. It's held at Randall and Hum. All right. Um, so I think a lot of people, what they do now, because you can't really excite people by just saying we're going to have a beer festival and then you get a 100 breweries to come in and pour their regular lineup of beers. People won't care. Uh Get Real was a success because they were the only real ale festival of that magnitude. I mean, the Brazenhead has something, but it's not of that scale. And by real ale, we're referring Wait, to uh, cast condition ale. Okay, gotcha. Uh, it's uh, sort of an old method of brewing serving from England. So. Cask ale. Mm-hmm. So it's like the Firkins or... The, the beer's the alive. From? Yeah, there's okay. live, you know, you're consuming some live yeast. See, distributors have mixed feelings about these fests because, in their some of them, in their opinion, like Todd's, uh, like the Real Ale Festival or Todd's Extreme Beer Beer Fest or whatever, they classify as totally pointless because if you can't walk out of the fest as a attendee or a let's just say you're a customer or a consumer, in their opinion, and purchase the beer that you drank at the fest, in other words, if there's no sale. Mm-hmm. To follow up what just yeah, happened. Yeah, you can't sell bottles at a fest, right? No, what I'm saying is that brewers will make beers for the fest. 
So it's a one-time deal. Oh, so I the see. distributor's like, well, this is stupid because they're going to come out of the fest and they're going to want to purchase the beer that they just had and they can't. Oh, I see. So there's no money involved in it. So, But see, that's what I like about it is that uh-huh. we're brewing for the attendee as a one-time deal and we're not doing this so we can follow it up with massive amount of revenue or a windfall and profit. You're doing it because people have come here for a celebration of beer or fermented beverages mm-hmm. and you put on a, a performance for them. So it's simply for extreme creativity, isn't it? It's yeah, no other. For, for yeah. example, for our next Extreme Beer Fest this March, um, every brewer who wants to attend will have at least 30. Um, 30 yeah. beers? Well, 30 brewers. We'll have over 125 beers. Okay. But every brewer who wants to attend will be required to brew. Uh, I can't get into it yet. We haven't released it. But okay. they're going to be brewing a, a beer just for that fest. Nice. So that's pretty unique. So it's special. And, you know, it, it seems like there's a lot of new beer festivals. And mm-hmm. it seems only natural since the, the, the enthusiasm for craft beer is growing still. Sure, so yeah. And like anything, you have, um, you have good ones. And you have others who just want to take advantage of the trend. Um, but, you know, there are a lot of good festivals out there. Well, I can't wait to see what more you do with those. And uh, <coughs> for beasts. What? <laughs> okay, more on this to come. How about we? How about we regroup uh, next spring and and chat more about this? Hopefully, okay. you'll have to come back to Brooklyn, please. Yeah, oh, I'm thinking I, late I March or something. Yeah. Okay, we're thinking Maybe early late March. April. Yeah. Come right. back on the show. Keep keep your ears out for that. Thank you so much for being on the show. Um, and we'll see you next week on Let's Eat In. Thanks for tuning in to Let's Seed In. Coming up next at 2 o'clock, Pigeon John is live on Snacky Tunes. Be sure to tune in, guys. Also, follow us at HRN Updates on Twitter. See you next week.